94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We have the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Esme. Good morning, Reed. How are you? Good, good, good. Yes. Tired. <laughs> but feeling optimistic yeah. as we're seeing, you know, the advancements of the of the vaccines and, and such. You know, I've been watching your Instagram updates, which thank you so much for continuing to do those with the whiteboards and all the stats. You said something interesting in, in one of your latest updates. You said Hawaii is the, I think, the eighth best in immunizations now in doing vaccines. Is that right? We moved up to seventh yesterday. Oh, did we? Wow. What does that mean now? Yeah. Like, like the percentage of the population that's being immunized? It, yeah, it's it's the percentage of the population combined with getting a percentage of the vaccines that you receive into actually into play into people and give them the shot mm. that 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 you are actually using your vaccine in an efficient way. And we were a little slow out of the gate, mostly because we were setting up sites all across multiple islands and it was a super low temperature vaccine of course so it there are significant challenges but once we were stable with our program we've been able to really accelerate so much so of course that you know more people would rather be getting vaccinated now than we have vaccines for but as of yesterday we were at seven i'm sorry 326,766 shots that was up 8224 shots and we expect to get that number, the next number again in the next hour or so. So, so that's pretty good. And meanwhile, we've had a total of 385,000 <coughs> shots in the state, uh, moving up to 422,000 by week's end. So these are, um, these are good numbers for us. Every state is getting a number proportional to their population. Mm. And that's an important thing for people to recognize. It's not like you can get suddenly 20% extra because you're, you're a do-gooder. But if we don't get the shots to people, we could ultimately find ourselves behind the eight ball because, you know, they would be reluctant to not pass them out if people just weren't doing it. So every state's trying to race ahead. We're just better than, in this case, 43 other states. Got it. So, you know, I'm looking at the uh, dashboard, that great dashboard that the state has for vaccines. And indeed, there's some major numbers there. Um, I think it was showing something like at least 13 percent of of Hawaii's population now has had at least one shot. And about half of that has had at least has had the full course of the two shots. Um do you have, Lieutenant Governor, what, do you have any message for people? There are still many, many people out there, obviously, who are, you know, anxious to get vaccines. Some people have, uh, they have not been able to get, um, you know, appointments because either, either they've been full or they are uh, level 1B essential workers and, and things have not really opened up for them. Do you have a message for them or what's happening next? I do. I, my message is just, I appreciate them being understanding and patient. So, Yes, we're at 14.1% of the state who's gotten at least one dose, and we're ramping it up like a curve that accelerates because we're getting more and more vaccine each week. But it it is a process that if you look at the kind of the broader calendar over the next two months, we are going to get to an enormous number of people. By May 1st, so we got March and April right ahead of us, we're going to reach about 900,000 shots given. Right now, we're sitting at 350,000 shots uh, given, just under that. So. Mm-hmm. You can see that it took time for Johnson & Johnson, of course, to come online, but also Pfizer and Moderna to be fully approved and produce their vaccine. Plus, the federal government has to buy this stuff. And that was the product of a new presidency, 
you know, a new administration coming on board. So if people are, are calm and patient, they'll know they're going to get the shot. It has been focused on our elderly, so not with perfection, but the best we can. Mostly it's been elderly, and that's why the hospitalization numbers are dropping and the fatality numbers are really dropping. So that's the key. And then as we go into the workforce to open up our state to make things safer and easier, that's where these guys are going to get their calls. Mm-hmm. Now, there were 6,500 businesses that wrote in and did that survey for the Department of Health. 6,500, not people, businesses. And so each and every one of them has to be vetted and pushed mm-hmm. out and kind of, I don't know, just approved. And and it's a really detailed process. So the good news is once we move deep into 1C, everybody that was on those lists of uh, essential workers is going to be eligible, plus the people that had chronic disease, plus our elderly first 70 to 74 and then 65 to 69. So there won't be, there won't be as much of that detail that's necessary. Mm-hmm. When do when do you expect that the 1B level, the frontline workers and 75 and up will be uh, close to done and 1C will start up? I think about two weeks, two to three weeks. Okay. If I had to give you a specific date, my best guess it would be about March 15th when they'll be able to open up for the 70 to 74 year olds. That's uh, two weeks from Monday. I think that's a fairly reasonable uh, date to project. Would I like it to be sooner? Of course. But we're finishing off the 75 and olders. And just so you know that this is an interesting comparison, I think, for people. If you compare the, the most baseline fatality rate, which is among very young people up to about age 19, where very, thank goodness, very few people ever died. If you compare the death rate for someone who's over 85 compared to that group, it's like 8,000 times higher. Oh, wow. 8,000 times. And if you, obviously, if you compare um, 75 to, to 85-year-olds, it's less. It's, you know, more like 6,000 times more likely to pass away than very young people. And even if you just compare the death rates to the middle of the road, someone who's like around 45 or 50 years old, uh, like me and my chief of staff, you could, it's still way higher. So the goal is to get as many of our elders vaccinated and at the same time prevent spread from people who are out there really uh, vigorously front-facing other people in the workforce. So what we've done is we've had the lowest case rate and the lowest mortality rate in the country compared to every state for the last several months. So this is the right program, but you asked the question of how should people feel about having to wait two or three weeks? Well, it's a method that has been demonstrated to do the two things we care about most, keep people from dying and keep significant spread from happening. So I think people will be very pleased with what March and April look like for the state. And then then it will loosen up. Then it will be very relaxed uh, to get vaccinations to people because we will have done all of the difficult to kind of um, sift through groups. Then it will just be broad appointments. And really, I, I got to tell you, it'll be kind of like walking up to get your flu shot at that point, mm. which I think is going to be a relief for people. Yeah, that actually was my question. At what point do you think we will get to kind of a point where people can just, you know, like walk in and get shots as easily as they get flu shots? I think I think that's you're going to see that sometime in May. I think you will mm. see much more relaxed uh, vaccination processes then. 
there's a lot of reasons for that. One is that the, uh, the Johnson Johnson shot is not kept at low temperature and it's only one shot. So it's super easy to give. So as that ramps up in a big way, that's going to be conducive to giving in pharmacies and clinics and mobile vans and so on. So that's, that's one reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next is that we are now getting the information. It broke yesterday, the news, although I, think, I thought they were going to hold it for a week. But if the news broke yesterday, that Pfizer believes that they don't have to keep their uh, vaccine at ultra low temperature. So because of that, again, it's going to be just a lot easier to to do. And, you know, I think that's going to, to the, to the point that you were making earlier, that's going to make it kind of a more normal process. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to really welcome that. I mean, because it, it is a nuisance to go on the website a bunch of times and, and try to, you know, get certified and yeah, get a call and yeah, all those things. Yeah. So you're exactly. seeing, so you're thinking May is when it'll get much more relaxed. That's a, that's a good uh, bit of news right there. Talking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, you just mentioned it, that that's a perfect segue because we were hearing about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And I think a couple times in earlier conversations with you, you've called it a game changer. Can you explain, um, you know, why it's a game changer and how soon we might see it here in Hawaii if it gets approved for emergency use authorization today? Uh, well, I think it's a game changer because, first of all, it's one shot. So it doesn't require a lot of extra logistical backup support. And that's a ton of the workload. About half of the work is making sure people are signed in for their follow-up. And so that's a big deal. And second, it can be deployed very widely into more rural areas. And we are one of the most rural states, believe it or not. Notwithstanding Oahu uh, and specifically Honolulu, we're an utterly rural state. And that makes it difficult. It makes for significant drives and you have to keep all this stuff under low temperature normally and so on. So you can't get the vaccine out to people, mm. but Johnson Johnson can be taken out to people. And that means easier for house calls, easier for home visits, like the great work that the Department of Health has been doing with uh, with Curtis Toma and Al Yazawa. Um, all these things are more available to us when we have a, a shot like Johnson & Johnson. So we'll be more nimble. And we won't have as much of the bureaucratic delay. And I think that's going to be great. So that's the game changer. Plus, look, for every shot that you get, you complete a person, as opposed to needing two shots to complete the vaccination process for Pfizer and Moderna. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, you know, it's twice the bang for your buck. So I just just really think that this is a good thing. I think that it's... um, Look, it's still not going to be easy because this is the largest public health initiative that we've ever undertaken in our in our state's history. But, well, you know, we're, we're making it through. Just mm-hmm. a month ago, we were sitting at like half this number of vaccinations and it's getting it's revving up even faster week by week. So I'm you know, I'm kind of encouraged and I know that people can be can be frustrated. It's totally reasonable because it's been such a long haul through COVID, but uh, you know, I appreciate them. And it's been kind of a nice, um, it's been nice to see the looks on people's faces as things get a little easier week over week. I see pretty good economic numbers for our state. Mm -hmm. I definitely talk to, I, I mean, I'm communicating with thousands of people every week and the overall tone in society is, uh, an improvement and an optimism about this year. Uh, overall, not every single time. I Some people are handing me my butt on the social media, and that's okay, because <laughs> it's important that there's an outlet for people to vent a little bit. 
But know that if you go to my Instagram or my, you know, my report, we'll give you the cluster report. If you go to, what is it, at LTGov Josh Green, we'll put that Instagram report of the clusters. We'll give you the day-to-day information. We'll give you what we think is going to happen in two weeks, even if it pisses off some of the social, uh, some of the other media because they think that they might be getting mixed reports. They're not. They're getting unfiltered process so that they can, people can have a confidence that we're working hard. That's a confusion that some people make because there's been so many decades of never sharing any information mm. with the people. And I'm putting it out there in its rawest material form. And I think that takes a little getting used to. But because of that, I hope people can then judge for themselves. I trust people more than, than many have in the past. And I trust them to make their own decisions on where we are as a state. So this is the new age. You know, we have a new generation of millennials that want a lot of information and they share it with their parents. And I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see these kind of conversations. So I'm going to keep doing it. And I hope that people, you know, will know it won't always be perfect. Sometimes the numbers are going to be off a little. Sometimes when you're cutting through this stuff and you see raw data, instead of it being all polished and packaged for easy consumption, sometimes it looks a little tougher. But then I trust the people to make their own assumptions about things. And that's that's how I'm approaching stuff, Mm. whether or not. You know, whether or not everyone can catch up with that approach, I don't know. But we're going to make that our our policy and my team anyway. Um, Sir, you know, we're continuing to talk about vaccines. Can you tell us we're hearing nationwide, you know, there are a number of people who are failing to get their second vaccines, like the second of the two shots that they're supposed to get. What can you say to people who are either concerned about their second shots or just failing to go get them? What? I respect that. I mean, it's kind of baked in because we know some people are going to be reticent. And the good news is you can take your time. We prefer people to go on the regular calendar. I got my second shot. I had four hours of aches. That was it. And I took Tylenol and it was done. Mm. But also recognize that some people have had a, you know, a, a tougher reaction to it. The reality is getting your second shot really increases your immunity a great deal. And it will get you to the point where you, if you're wearing a mask, you will essentially be uh, not susceptible to catching or spreading COVID. Really serious protection. The side effects are usually minor, but, I'm, you know, I've treated, last weekend I treated someone with pretty serious side effects, and she was really wiped out for three or four days. It happens. Uh, but if you want to be fully immune, you get that second shot. And over time, people will. There's an important piece of information here, and that is that if you do get your second shot later, a week later, after the after the three-week space for Pfizer, or four-week space for Moderna, Mm -hmm. it's fine. A month later, it's fine. You can do this out six weeks later than what they projected, and you still get the full immune response. So it's not a problem. It's just logistically you may end up, you know, being out of line, and other people may jump into your space because we moved into 1C or what have you. So my recommendation is build in a little time after the second shot in case you feel awful, and anticipate taking Tylenol or ibuprofen after, not before, after your shot, your second shot's been given, and you'll be okay. But we are already seeing the effect across the globe of the benefit of just one shot. And there will be more and more of these vaccines that get approved just for a single shot. And the boosters are just going to be one shot, I'm almost certain. So uh, once they get uh, determined to be necessary. So these these are realities about a... um, a relatively accelerated process to get a, a whole world immunized so we don't have a mass casualty. And mm-hmm. 
it ain't easy, you know, but I'll tell you what, people have had side effects for, for decades. My whole medical career, I hear from people telling me they feel like they caught the flu after getting the flu shot. They feel awful after getting a pneumonia shot. They have ache in their arm. Yeah. But they don't get pneumonia and die and they don't get flu and die. And that's what I appreciate because I, I care deeply about keeping people alive. So, um, you know, it, these are the, uh, these are the processes, right? And I would personally encourage, if you want a simple answer, I'd personally encourage to get that, everyone to get that second shot. And I think if you're under 50 and you don't have any particular risks, that's going to be the best group, I would say, to get the Johnson & Johnson shot. Or if you're really healthy and fit, because it's going to con- convey a lot of immunity, not 100% or 95%, I should say, like the other shots, but it's simple and easy, and it will give you a lot of protection. So if we get a lot of those shots, I'd encourage people to take them. Uh, my wife told me the other day, Jamie thinks that she would just as soon take when it's her turn, the Johnson and Johnson shot. Cause she's young, 43, I think 42. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, not, not 39 though, James listening, we know that. And so, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a process that we trust as a family and as scientists in my team. So I, you know, I think it's good either way, but I'm, I'm pleased to see more and more people wanting shots overall rather than where we started, which was like in the low 50 percentile. Right. Okay, I have a, I have a question, actually. It's actually what I texted you, and uh, you never asked me yet. <laughs> he's, he's not wanting to talk to you, Reed. No, no I'm just not, kidding. It's all We're good. totally I know, kidding. I know you're super busy, but my sister <laughs> is a teacher, so she made an appointment to, to get vaccinated, and they strongly advised her not to get vaccinated. Who is this? Oh, uh, my sister. And I, well, I, tell me again the circumstance that uh, uh, she. How, uh, how pregnant is she? Like, um, how many? I think she's like four weeks away from giving birth. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Yes, we we are curious about whether uh, getting vaccines for pregnant women is advised. Yeah. So it is. It's advised by ACOG, um, and that's the American College of, of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. They say it's safe and fine. The only caveat that I've been giving people is I don't tend to tell people to take anything in their first trimester of pregnancy, the Mm -hmm. first trimester. That's the first 14 weeks, okay? But later, you absolutely can. It's not a problem if you don't want to, because remember, the very definition of someone who's pregnant is they're going to be almost in every circumstance under 45, and usually in their 20s or 30s. So um, there are increasingly a bigger number of people getting pregnant and having babies in their early 40s. But, you know, you're not at very much risk. You can, however, take the shot if you want to, if you're pregnant out there. There's a member of our staff who's just terrific, and she's expecting her first, and she made a personal decision to wait a little bit on her vaccine. But these are just personal decisions. She also intends to get that shot, she told me, uh, right after uh, she's delivered because they don't think it's a risk with breastfeeding. So, you know, these are, um, again, these are recommendations from from pretty solid scientists. Uh, just, I have a general overall caution, I'll say it again, about anything in the first trimester, and that's anything. So uh, go for it if you're pregnant, if you want the shot. All right. Got Thank it. you. 10-4. Sir, I wanted to pivot a little bit to talk about the schools. So, 
earlier this week, we reported on the CDC issuing new guidance for reopening public schools for in-person instruction, which would imply, you know, since the state falls into kind of the low to moderate transmission categories, that we would be yep. seeing full in-person instruction here. I know uh, I've heard uh, the state school superintendent, Christina Kishimoto, talking about, you know, she's trusting the districts, the, the you know, the school complexes and individual schools to decide when they're ready to do that. Are we going to see any kind of push from the administration to get the schools open for in-person instruction sooner? Well, I'm going to just speak for myself. I strongly encourage it. And mm-hmm. that encouragement is based on if we vaccinate our, our educators, then we should, you know, when teachers are safe, we should open the schools, period. It, of course, is a much more complicated, larger discussion. And we all want the schools open. And uh, I really have a lot of respect for for Superintendent Kishimoto. And so she's mm-hmm. she's pressing for that. But they don't really want um, to force anyone's hand too much if someone's a little bit reticent. But from my perspective, we should salvage the fourth quarter. We should have all of the schools open. If there are still a few people that feel very reluctant because they don't want to get vaccinated or they just can't get there, let's find a role for those educators um, and match them with some of the families, perhaps, that don't feel comfortable sending their kids back yet and do mm-hmm. still some distance learning. But I really think we've got to get open. Yeah. Uh, and and I know that Senator Schatz and I are both pushing, as is uh, Speaker Psyche. We're all pushing pretty hard mm-hmm. on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the Gov's more cautious. That's all overall. But we're yeah. pushing hard. Okay. Talking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Uh, adding to that question, so getting those classrooms ready for in-person instruction in a socially distanced kind of a situation with adequate uh, ventilation, I imagine is going to take a good amount of resources. I know some schools, uh, like some of those Maui schools, we're lucky to get those tents uh, to have some instruction outside. My question is, if the schools are going to get pushed to open faster, you know, ASAP for in-person instruction, are are we going to see added support from the state for that, like financially? Because yeah. that's going to take resources. Well, there's a massive uh, financial package from the federal government coming specifically to open schools. Mm-hmm. So there will be resources. But let me also give you a scientific clarification. The CDC has told us that if you're able to use other mitigating factors, you don't have to have six feet between every child. Now, that's the ideal but you do not have to have six feet social distancing between every child if you can also adequately have our cakey wear masks and face guards, which is also somewhat important, and you, that you're able to have uh, air that's circulating through the classroom or filtration and so on. So there is not an absolute uh, mandate that you have six feet between every child, just so you people are aware of that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not mandated like that, and we'll never be able to achieve that. But what we'll be able, what we will be able to do is we'll be able to stagger some of the schedules, obviously. They may have to break up some of the classes and have kids do um, not every day, but we'll still be in school uh, a majority of the time. So these are the details that have to be worked out. And that's why I don't want to put added pressure on, uh, you know, on Superintendent Kishimoto or mm-hmm. the Gov, because it, once you get into the nitty gritty, it's easy for, for people to float ideas and just say, mm-hmm. do this. But when you really get down to it and you have to actually operationalize it, there's these millions of questions. But don't think for a second that if we can't have six feet between every child, we shouldn't open schools because we'll never, ever, ever get there. Um, And there is going to still be COVID in the universe, even after we're vaccinated, Mm -hmm. even after we've gone through this process. So Mm -hmm. I think we 
do it safely. They also, by the way, have shown that children are safer being in the classroom rather than being out of the classroom when you consider all of the other challenges in their lives, plus the fact that they can spread COVID with their their friends outside of the classroom when they're just out roaming around. So, you know, it just makes sense to get school back going for the fourth quarter. And I think people want a bit of common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sir, to follow up on that question about schools. So just and, and let me see if I can like aggregate those ideas for our listeners who have kids in our public schools here. So and correct me if I'm wrong. What I'm what I'm understanding is that you think that Lieutenant uh, I'm sorry, uh, State School Superintendent Christina Kishimoto is on the right track in entrusting our individual schools to to look at their situations in the classrooms to go, OK, we can't do six feet distancing in this classroom right here. However, if we combine, you know, good ventilation ventilation, everybody has to wear masks and face guards, this classroom can open. And it's going to vary from classroom to classroom, school to school. But entrusting the schools to make that kind of judgment is the way to go to get the schools open. Is that correct? No. Oh, that I'm sorry. Did I misunderstand? Okay. I, yeah. That, look, I'm not going to take a hardline position on this. I think that we have to be understanding. And you also can't There's not a black or white yes or no on this. There just isn't. Mm -hmm. It it is clear that you can open schools with or without six feet distance between every child, as long as you're also doing several other things. And we do trust our principals. We shouldn't have the Wild West where everybody can make all the decisions, but nor should we force people into a a circumstance where they have no choices. Mm -hmm. We should our parents and teachers and we should say that our overall approach is to open schools for the fourth quarter. If there are some glitches or there are some schools, look, some schools on Big Island are really have very few students where I, you know, where I lived for many years and they are able to spread people out more. They have bigger campuses. They have a lot, you know, a lot of ease to do it. Whereas there are some schools in Honolulu that are packed and have less resources and people may be poor in that district and they don't have masks. So we're going to have to be understanding. Um, But the general direction or directive from the superintendent should be we open the schools for the fourth quarter and we have graduations best of our ability. And and then we're just understanding. Um, But I I really don't want to say something black or white because that will create undue pressure. We don't need any more pressure this year. This has been the (laughs) most pressure filled year of our lives. And so. I think it's it's better for us to be understanding. People are just eager to get a, a yes or no uh, answer, and that's a little tough. Yeah, got it. All right. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, and sir, I know your time is really limited. Is there anything else that you want to add for now? Well, I would just add that people should be confident that Hawaii is delivering on our vaccination program. I think you mentioned we're like, you know, seventh in the country or eighth. Mm-hmm. It was yesterday, seventh. Now. So we're getting it done. It is going to continue to get better and better uh, in the coming days or week. We'll have, it looks like, a centralized way to sign up, which will be good. A lot of hard work that's been done by the Department of Health on that. We're moving forward on some of these other programs, which are going to take time, like a, a vaccination passport. It won't be mandatory. It's just another tool. If you still don't want to get vaccinated, just keep getting the test. That's okay. And we'll keep doing these things until we reach a point where we're basically immune as a state and that will take us time when we get to about 70 or 80 percent of the population vaccinated we will have a lot of global immunity we'll essentially hit herd immunity then we will be able to um, just take more chances try new things Uh, and i will still track the number of cases 
but it will be less important than the overall feel that we've emerged and we can get our lives back. Mm. That's where we're headed. And keep your eyes open real, real wide, everyone out there, because I think that you're going to start seeing more opportunities to get vaccinated in the next eight weeks. So and let's totally young and totally healthy. Your time is coming soon. (laughs) Okay, we'll keep our fingers crossed and um, definitely uh, be watching your Instagram for those updates because they're really, really helpful. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Thanks for including me. Take care.